everybody, and welcome back to the Plugged In podcast with myself, Talisha G, and the beautiful, the amazing talent agent, <laughs> Scout to the Stars, Sharon Prokas. How are you doing, Sharon? What's up, guys? Well, it's just the two of us tonight. I think Prince is right to yeah, meet them. We can make it if we try. But it's, it's Lady Power, and uh, considering we're going to be talking about Paris Hilton, it might not be a bad idea just to, you know, for the two of us to... Uh, delve into Get that the point of view let's do it so yeah. today we're going to be touching on this is paris the latest documentary released on youtube it premiered yesterday featuring paris hilton everyone's um favorite dumb blonde after the after the documentary though i'm not sure if everyone's going to be calling her dumb anymore i don't know what we'll be calling her but let's see what the reactions are like um, we'll also be touching a little bit on what we've spoken about before, which is the Netflix Cuties documentary and how that's impacted Netflix stocks and business in general for them. Yeah. And we will lastly touch very briefly on what's happening at the moment, actually, as we record this podcast episode, which is the signing of the normalization pact between Israel and the UAE and Bahrain. So now two more Arab countries are normalizing um, relations with Israel. So we'll be chatting a little bit about Which that. Which is amazing. And, but I think Saudi Arabia, we'll chat about that, but I don't think, I think they've got a problem with Saudi Arabia right in the middle. And well, with yeah. A, with a big population. <laughs> so it'll be, ex, it'll be, it'll be, you know, exciting to see what happens there. It will be. I just caught a little bit of it on CNN um, before we, we started the podcast today. And uh, they were saying, oh, would you look at that? That's Donald Trump with no mask on. Oh, look, it's his wife with no mask on. Oh, look, it's Netanyahu, the Israeli prime minister with no mask, mask on, on and his wife with no mask on, no social distancing, no nothing. So that's CNN for you. They're always going to just nitpick at Donald Trump, which is true. I mean, he wasn't wearing a mask. There was no social distancing. But I just found it amusing that on the brink of such a, a historic event, this normalization pact and things like that, they are still choosing to report on the fact that Donald Trump's not wearing a mask, which is old news. He hasn't worn one now for six well, months. Well, isn't great. And obviously, they, they just want to get at him, especially because elections are coming up soon. Yeah. Um, and they just want to frame him in a, in a, in a negative light wherever they can. Which, to be perfectly honest, I don't think CNN needs to do. I think that he's framed in a negative enough light by himself, all by himself. You know, nobody needs to make fun of him or, or make, it, make him seem like an idiot because he does a good job of that. But, okay, but anyway, so now we're going into the, uh, we're going to be talking still, are we still going to carry on talking about this now? Or should we go into that later? Let's talk about Paris. Okay. Let's talk about Paris. So did you watch the documentary? I briefly watched it today, amongst everything else I was multitasking and doing. Um, so what I normally do is while I'm working, I just, you know, I put it onto YouTube and I kind of listen to as, you know, as I'm going along to what I'm doing. And yeah, I definitely found it very, very interesting. Um, what was your view on it, Alicia? So, you know, I've never been a fan of Paris Hilton. I don't know about you, Sharon. I've never enjoyed her. I... I dislike severely um, anyone that perpetuates the stereotype of stupidity and glamorizing stupidity. I think, like we said before, there's enough stupid people in the world. We don't need any more of them, um, male or female. We don't need any more dumb people, <laughs> I think. No, we, need um, more, I think we need more intellectual people right now. But I mean, yes, I think but... we would love to glamorize intellect and, and being informed. And, you know, it's sexy and it's cool to know, know what's going on. <laughs> But unfortunately, blondes have always kind of been framed as dumb. <laughs> Let's be honest. Yeah. 
Let's be honest about it. We're all dumb, but I mean, look at Hillary Clinton. She's a blonde, but she's not dumb. Um, but but normally they say that blondes blondes are dumb. So I think it's quite natural to look at Paris Hilton and say, oh, you know, she landed a bum in the butter um, with all the money and everything else and the great looks, and that's the only reason she's achieved what she's achieved. But uh, yeah, if, if you have to watch that documentary, it is quite an eye opener because I think the true Paris Hilton, you know, really you know, um, comes out there. And, and it's interesting that you say that, Sharon, because um, what I found the most standout moment of the documentary for me was when she said she doesn't even really know who she is, who is the true Paris Hilton. You know, she's yeah. played this character that she created for so long. And um, I, I read a little bit about, uh, of the public response to the documentary um, since it premiered yesterday. And a lot of people are feeling like, oh, she pulled the wool over our eyes. She, that whole Simple Life um, reality show was just an act and she's not that person. And she, she admitted that she has created this brand around uh, or that has pivoted on her being a dumb blonde. Yeah. And the sad thing for me about that is now she's 39 years old. She's um, very lost from what I saw in the documentary. She doesn't seem like a happy person. She said, I am happy sometimes, I guess, or I will be happy when I've made a billion dollars, you know. And for someone who comes from a line of wealth and for someone who comes from a lot of money and um, has always had money and has always had everything that she ever wanted, um, it astounded me that she still wanted to make her own money you know, she's still her goal. And the, the only time she feels she'll be happy is when she's made her own billion dollars. Well, I mean, she's got the fan base. People love her. She's got a huge fan base. I mean, you know, she's always performing on stage, DJing and what have you, uh, visiting different countries. So she's definitely not sh short of audience and eyeballs. But the fact that she wants to make a billion dollars um, kind of says to me that she really doesn't value herself or have a strong self-worth because anybody that's chasing that kind of money and kind of makes that the main focus um, is looking for recognition through their wealth instead of just being know, who they are, you know? The thing is, is that I feel like the documentary wasn't as well directed and well produced as it could have been because I do Agreed. feel that that was the underlying sentiment that she was trying to get across is that, she doesn't know who she is and she doesn't have any sense of self-worth because she doesn't have any sense of self. She has um, she no identity, no identity at no. all. And she did say, she said, you know, um, she loves her fans. She feels like that's what love is. She doesn't know. She doesn't remember what it's like to be in love or to even be loved or to love. Um, but she feels like the adoration that she gets from her fans is sort of validating for her. I mean, these are people, the producer said, but is that enough? They don't know you. You don't know them. You know, it's, it's a superficial interaction. Superficial. Said, well, I don't know any better. But I mean, her whole life has been superficial from the time she was a little girl. I mean, she was probably surrounded by nannies, probably never spent a lot of time with her parents. And she had to portray this image of, of, of the fact that they had this perfect life. I mean, even halfway through the documentary, I don't think her mother wanted her to ever express um, what happened to her when she went to that reform, reform what was it, that, that school that she went to? Yeah, um, the Provo, Provo Canyon. You know, that school, that Catholic school or whatever it was. But her mother never wanted her to come out with that only because she was afraid of the reputation of the actual family name. But what is no, more important, really I mean, you know, the well-being of your daughter, the, how she's feeling, how she's coping, or, you know, how, how the rest of the world portrays you to be. 
Sharon, you know, you've got two beautiful daughters and a gorgeous son, and you have like such a close relationship with them, so much like the relationship I had with my mom. And when you watched her interaction with her mother, did you feel that there was any authenticity or, or you know, reality in that interaction? Um, did you see the warmth in that interaction at all? Not really. The, you know, I kind of felt she was a lot closer to her dad for whatever reason. Her mom, on the other hand, was a model and an actress from a very young age. From a very young age. So that's, yeah. Yeah. And, and look, one positive aspect there was that her mom never wanted her to go down that same road. So she did try and protect her, um, bring her up kind of, you know, in a well-mannered family. Well, you know, you've kind of kept away from um, the paparazzi and, and, and the public eye and everything else. But I think by her trying to to kind of, of keep Paris away and, and her sister from that, it just escalated rapidly as she got older. Um, yeah, I mean, when she got to you 18, know, she became quite wild. She was partying with Nicole Richie. You know, yeah, and I think that is just for me, like, from being suppressed. So there's, there's a couple interesting things there. So you mentioned that her mom was um, a child star. She was yeah. an actress from a very young age. I think it was like the age of five or six that her yes. mom was an actress and a model. And her mom's sisters as well. So I don't know if you are familiar with Kyle Richards. She's one of the real housewives of, I think, Beverly Hills. Yes, yes, yes. Um, that's her mom's half-sister. Oh, I know. Okay, cool. And, she, and so her mom's two half-sisters were also child stars. And when I looked into a little bit into her mom's history, I think a lot of her mom trying to keep her daughters away from that early child star kind of image and, and that world was because of what we've been discussing um, in the past few episodes, which is, you know, the way little girls are overly sexualized in, in the young age. Yeah. Yeah. And so her mom was obviously trying to steer her and her sister away or keep them protected from that. But um, unwittingly, because of all the suppression, and also her sister did mention that her mom and dad were the king and queen of sweeping things under the rug. So even if her mom was exposed to awful things in her own childhood, those are not things she would have necessarily discussed with her kids or said, this is why I'm keeping you away from that because I don't want this to happen to you. So it is very much just like you do this and you do that and do what I say and don't ask me any questions. Yeah. About it. And, and I mean, know, for me, I like, that is the expression that you talk about. I mean, obviously everyone's going to have their own opinion, but the, the way this whole, this whole documentary, the kind of picture, you know, pants in my mind is that they were, um, they weren't communicating as a family, really, because obviously oh, the high okay. life, all the hotel changed. You can imagine the flying here, the flying there. No time to really spend, you know, as family. You grow apart and, uh, you know, there's not that family bond. And obviously she was craving that attention as well because she talks about, you know, her fans and how she loved the attention in the beginning. Hmm. And, and, you know... It was interesting that she acknowledged that and she said she does feel responsible for this kind of influencer movement that has kind of been born out of the Paris Hilton paparazzi stories that we all saw in the early 2000s and uh, the mid 2000s. And it's kind of, in a sense, I wouldn't say it's her fault that, you know, this whole um, image of influencers has completely blown up and, and is now this monster that we know it to be. But it's very much uh, an entire generation of little girls that grew up seeing Paris Hilton with those Hilton. big sunglasses and, and her little her little doggy 
and a doggy. <laughs> no, but even her dogs. I mean, she's crazy about animals. So that's one positive thing I can say about her. I mean, the fact that she doesn't love animals. She gives a lot to you know, um, animal charities and that kind of thing. And I think the sad thing is that when I watched the documentary, I've never been a fan of Paris Hilton, like I said earlier. But when I watched the documentary, I saw that there were the makings of a good person deep down inside, you know. And I had she been steered and groomed with love and raised with, you know, in a loving environment and a, a real environment and an open environment, she may have been a very different person to essentially the monster that was created out of that toxic um, cold environment and, and the money and the, you know, the, the fame and all of that that came with it. Or perhaps if she was just allowed to be who she was as a little girl growing up without having to portray what her parents wanted her to be. Just being a normal and also grandmother. She mentioned a lot about how she was always being praised about her looks and her grandmother always called her Grace Kelly and Marilyn Monroe. And, you know, as a, as a young child growing up, if you're constantly compared... Talisha, she's frozen a little bit there. I um, hope we can get her back. Okay. So, we, you know, we were saying how um, her grandmother co constantly compared her as a five or six-year-old to uh, Marilyn Monroe, Grace Kelly, and all these glamorous Hollywood actresses. And when you're that young, you don't even know who you are as yet, and you don't know who you're going to grow into. But if you're always being compared to the Hollywood actors and actresses of yesteryear, you're you're going to grow up with a warped sense of reality and a warped sense of your own identity. And I think that didn't do her a very, you know, that did her a disservice because she was always being praised for her looks and nothing else about her was nurtured, not her love for animals or her intellect or, or anything like that. And, and the truth be told, as much as she's created a dumb blonde character, she has 19 product lines, you know, she's made it's millions of her done. image. I mean, as an and, artist, I mean, just a DJ, like, I mean, let, let's be honest, when she first recorded her first track or album, she really couldn't sing. But the fact that she was Paris Hilton, music producers wanted to work with her because it's all about the money. And I mean, like today, she DJs all over the world and cashes in, I think it's a million dollars per show. Her one show. DJ I, mean, I mean, and all she does is create same. an iTunes playlist. Really. And let's be honest, she looks great. She's got a great body. She's skinny, but she's got a great she body. The whole package. I was watching I mean, I was watching the documentary and she is beautiful. Her face is beautiful. Her body she's is angelic great, looking. You know, there was she's very angelic looking. There was there was a time though, um, not too long ago, where she had gained a little bit of weight and I think she was at a size twelve. Wow. Um, and she looked hot. I'm sure. She looked really beautiful, you know, even with a little bit of weight on her and um, I just thought you know it's obviously this this image that she's had to live up to and now she's um, just anorexic looking but she looks beautiful whatever size she is um, yeah. but I just thought it's really it really is sad to me to see how someone who's grown up around money and who has always had it and had access to whatever she wants yeah. said in the documentary that she will only be happy when she has made $1 billion for herself. And what I found really interesting about that is she said the reason that she'll be happy when she's made $1 billion is because then she feels nobody can control her, not her parents, 
not the people like those teachers at that school that she was put in. And you know, what was really sad was, uh, I don't know if you, if you caught this part, but she spoke about being in the middle of the night and her sister actually spoke about in the middle of the night, she heard screaming. Yes. And what it was, was two people from the school dragging Paris out of her bed and taking her away to the school in the middle of the night while she was sleeping. And she looked to her parents and screamed for help. And they just looked away. And they, you know, obviously because they had called people to tell them to come and get her because she was so rude. But I mean, what kind of parents of, of those, well, personally, I mean, they're just probably so wrapped up in their own lives and whatever Paris was going through, they thought the easiest thing is, and that's what irritates me about some parents, not just Paris Hilton's parents, is that when there's a problem in the home, oh, just ship the child off to a boarding school, let them take care of it, let them put her in a line, and then when she's behaving, she can come back home. I mean, yeah, like... So you yeah, gave I mean, birth to the child, so whose responsibility Exactly. Is? It's like she just will pass the buck. Oh, well, let's just send her to this reformatory school or whatever. They'll take care of her. They'll turn her into, this, into the kind of daughter that we want with the right manners and everything else. And I mean, for me, that's just like people with too much money that are so busy living their lives, they couldn't be bothered to actually, you know, really just zone in and, 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 and find out what, what is going on in this child's head to make her behave yeah. that way. And, you know, she, she said in the documentary that she had never spoken about it again. And, but it gave her all these issues, trust issues and things like that. And that's why I asked you, what did you think of her interaction with her mom? Did you think it was authentic? Because I did some research on that school. It's called Provo Canyon um, school. Right. I just want to quickly read for you what I, I saw. So it's actually not a school. It's like a, they say it's a healthcare facility, a residential healthcare facility for troubled teens between the ages of 12 and 18 years old. And um, in the 80s and 90s, there were several lawsuits against this school because um, there were several children who, you know, brought claims of abuse, sexual abuse and physical yeah. abuse and yeah. emotional abuse and Paris was scared because obviously they said oh we'll tell your parents that you're lying they'll believe us because you're a naughty kid anyways that's why you're here and um, that school or that healthcare facility um, it, it was sold they said and I, I went onto the website and they said we, we are aware that a, a documentary was released recently about Provo Canyon um, Behavioral School um, please note that the previous owners sold in, I think it was 20, when was it? I can't actually remember the exact year. Oh, it was uh, sold in the year 2000 um, from the previous owners where all these claims and lawsuits were brought against them. But what was interesting about it is that the company that bought them is Universal Health Services. Right. And this a, it's an American Fortune 500 company and their annual revenue is around $12 billion a year. Wow. And so, and in the documentary, there were a few of the um, people that she went to school with that they managed to find and they spoke about their issues and, you know, their torture at the school and things like that. And one of the ladies said that there are many other celebrities that have, or, you know, who were wayward in their teen years that were put in the school. And I just thought to myself, you know, all the stuff we've been talking about, about child trafficking and, and um, celebrities and Hollywood and all of that, the abuse. Um, I mean, that was probably just a festering hotbed for, for this kind of activity to be normalized because, you know, 
rich kid, rich people send their kids off, ship them off, and right. then they don't know what's going on there. And it's it's a, it's a child's word against the people actually looking after them. So they can. And, and it's a troubled child's word, yeah. not just and, a normal child. Correct. So they were really just blackmailed and kind of forced to do what they had to do. And I mean, and you know what? Really interesting, Sharon, is that, um, you know, we, I've spoken to you before about when I was doing some research on the child trafficking thing, there was a, hello, Pablo. I can I'm so sorry. sorry. My dog is <laughs> no, don't be sorry. Sorry. <laughs> sorry. No, don't be sorry. Can't okay. you see Ozzy sitting next to me? <laughs> Dogs. Um, yeah, so when I was doing research previously on the child trafficking industry, I think I, I mentioned to you, I, I found this video of this, girl, this lady, Annika Lucas, who was six years old when her mother sold her into the um, European elite. And she mentioned that she was um, at these parties with these um, Belgian aristocrats and, and um, parliamentary leaders from, the, from Europe and the UK. And she said she saw the rich and the elite people's kids in those parties also being abused and thinking it was normal. And what was so interesting to me is um, after I did all of that research, I also, I didn't know because I'm not a fan of the Hilton sisters per se, I don't follow them, that Paris Hilton's sister, Nikki Hilton, married into the Rothschild family. The Rothschild family. Well, then that makes a lot of sense. Exactly. And when I, when I did that research, I just thought to myself, you know, Paris Hilton's parents were grooming their, their little beautiful princess girls just to get them married into wealth, to stay in this elite That's circle so cool. with the Rothschilds and the, you know, and I just felt, you know, Paris is still not married and she's probably a nightmare to her parents because she's just this wild child, but... And also they say she thrives on drama. So like she'll always be the one to create drama wherever she is because that's what she's used to and that's how she gets attention. So, yeah. I don't know how I felt after I saw that because her sister seems very normal. But in the greater scheme of things, when you know now that her sister is married into the Rothschild family and she's got this picture-perfect Stepford wife kind of life. Yes. And she's the normal one. And Paris, who doesn't know who she is but is trying to figure it out, she is... She's portrayed as the rebellious or the, the naughty one or the, you know, the one that doesn't want to conform. The black sheep of the family kind of thing. Yeah, and then when you think to yourself, why is she seen as the rebellious one? Just because she's trying to be herself and figure out herself and not just marry and keep the wealth in the circle. Yeah. But I mean, like, then again, coming back to the influencing side of things, if you think about it, she was the one that invented the selfie how many years ago before... Millions of women around the world were, were taking selfies of themselves. And yeah, she was, I think she probably taught Kim Kardashian um, the stuff that she did. I mean, Kim Kardashian and her were friends. And okay, sure, Kim Kardashian's dad became famous through, what was his name? O.J. Simpson. Yeah, O.J. Simpson. <laughs> um, but at the end of the day, I think, I think Paris Hilton was a lot more famous um, and well-known. And it was a great way for Kim Kardashian to kind of befriend her and become a socialite and be, you know, be seen out and about. And I mean, Kim yeah. dad, um, in the OJ Simpson, the people versus OJ Simpson, this documentary, um, Kim Kardashian's dad famously said to his kids, 
fame is fleeting, fame and wealth is fleeting. Um, it's not what's real and it's not what's valuable in life. Yes. So I don't think he ever had any intention of his family becoming who they became. And if you saw in the documentary with, they had this shot of like Kim and Paris walking down the street and the paparazzi were all like, Paris, Paris, how, yes. you know, how's your day going? Yes. And nobody even knew who Kim was. And she was hanging on for dear life to Paris's arm because she was just a stylist who put looks together for Paris. And then she became this media mogul and this Kim, I think Kim actually, yeah, she climbed the ranks on Paris. I mean, she back. even, you know, she even had that leaked sex tape, the leaked sex tape, which they discussed in the documentary yesterday. And they said, um, you know, that was kind of the blueprint for how to become famous. If you're not, if you want to be an overnight success, just leak a sex tape. And then Kim Kardashian did. And now look at her fortune. Yeah, well, that's that's a story for another day. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm so glad that they've been cancelled. I'm so, so glad that the Kardashians have been cancelled. You can even say it with a K, I don't mind. But I'm so sick of them. I'm so sick of seeing them everywhere. Um, me too. I, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, that reality show started becoming a bit painful. The only normal <laughs> one in, in that show was, uh, what's her sister's name? Chloe. And not Chloe. And then even she became the normal one. Well, and she said she wanted to stop filming a while back. And then her sisters had this huge fight with her because this is the family business. And, you know, at the end of the day, you've just got to get a clue with everything else going on in the world. Is, is your reality TV show really what's important in life? Or, you know, is there something? I would hate it. Everybody knows your business. Everybody knows what you're doing. All the time. I mean, time. you look good all the time. If you put on five kilos, the whole world is talking about it. <laughs> I mean, wow, you know, you can't even walk out the door without the paparazzi kind of following you down the road. And the funny uh, thing is that they all start off saying, you know, we loved it at the beginning. We loved the paparazzi at the beginning. And, and, you know, when I was younger and I thought I wanted to be famous, I kind of thought, yeah, that would be cool if people know my name or if I walk down the street, I'm just at the shops and then people start taking pictures of me. But now that I'm an adult, I mean, I would really hate that. It would make me go crazy. No, absolutely. No. I love my space. I love my privacy. <laughs> the least people know about me, the better. Quite honestly. Yeah, yeah so that, I just found that quite inter interesting from the influencing side because I think if anyone really knew how to work with brands, it was, it was Paris Hilton. I mean... And it is her. She, she, she is a product of that. Make, she's continuing to make millions just off... I mean, her, her perfumes, Paris Hilton perfumes. Perfume, they, yeah. Those are not great perfumes. I'm pretty sure Exclamation by Coty is a better perfume than Paris Hilton. But, you know, because it's got her face on the box, it sells millions. Billions, yeah. I think it's something like her perfume has sold $3 billion. Yeah. Well, actually, I mean, my daughter was, Tina was in New York during Fashion Week about three, was it three years ago? And she went to a fashion show where Paris Hilton was present at. And she said to me, Mom, she is very pretty. And she does have a presence about her. She does, you know. I mean, she has the presence about her. But that's why I'm saying that had she been in a loving and authentic and natural environment from, from a young child, she, that presence could have been turned into something a lot more positive than what it, what it became, you know. Because I just feel sorry for her in the sense that she never got a chance. And, okay, at the beginning of the documentary, it annoyed me that she said, oh, I'm so tired. I'm so tired. I haven't had a break in 15 years and I'm thinking you know there are people in this world who have real jobs and real bosses and are really tired because they really haven't had a break and in they're tired years. because they've got accounts to pay and they're worried about how they're going to meet ends meantime she's exactly. how many figures in her bank account 
And her only worries are, um, oh, how am I going to make that appointment to do my hair tomorrow and put, put this in and put that in? That's not even a worry because she's late everywhere she goes. She says, Yeah, oh, you know I'm what I'm saying? Like, so she's got a stress on a different level, but I mean, she's also created that stress for herself. That's, That's the thing. That annoyed me is because, you know, she's saying, oh, I'm so tired. But, but then her sister says, but you chose that because you want to make more money because you're greedy. And then she says, yeah, that's true. I do want to make more money. But what saddened me about the whole thing was that she had she been raised in a loving environment, she would have been a different person, I think. She could have been a really positive influence instead of just influencing a generation to be superficial. And now I think that there's some remorse on her behalf because now she's got to live up to this monster that she created, the superficial monster. And even when she wants to be a real normal person, she can't be because she doesn't know what that is anymore. Well, maybe and, that's why she created this documentary. So people couldn't, she, you know, in a way, she's just, try, she's just trying to, I don't know, express action. Humanize herself. Sorry? I think she's just trying to humanize herself. And I think the documentary could have been done better like we said it could have directed better but i think for me if i remove all the fluff i think essentially i did see her in a slightly different light i saw that she is the way she is because of factors that were outside of her control and i feel bad about that for her yeah anyway we're all on our own journey and obviously she's chosen this type of journey you know and it's she has, and it'll be interesting day. to see what comes from this it'll be really yeah. interesting to see because you know a lot of the, the abuse that other people endured at Provo Canyon um, has now been spotlighted when there were multiple lawsuits against them in the, in the 80s and 90s and people didn't know about it. Yeah. What, what was interesting about that um, takeover in the year 2000 was that that CEO, um, after Les Wexner, who's the Victoria's Secret CEO and Jeffrey Epstein's funder of his lifestyle, who stepped down um, this year and was the CEO for 70 years, there's, I think, two other people, two other CEOs that are the longest running. And this guy who owns the Universal Health Services that took over the school, he's the third longest running CEO in the world. And he's been the CEO of this company for 50 years. Wow. So, again, it goes back to that whole circle of the one percenters, the elite, and how this is their world and we're all just, you know, living in it. Yeah, that's that crazy. That's crazy. And I, I think if I do more digging, which I'm going to do, um, because the documentary and was on the show. That is why we've got you on the show, because you do all the media research when we can't. Because I like snooping. <laughs> so inquisitive. I'll walk in dictionary. Talisha P. Oh. Pick her out. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, but I will do some digging, and I'll come back to future podcast episodes with whatever I find. But I think... It'll be interesting to see the link between the school that Paris is now spotlighting as this torture chamber and everything else that's been going on with Jeffrey Epstein. And because this, this CEO, he's from Brooklyn, New York, which is where Jeffrey Epstein is from. And he also has ties to the Wharton School, which I think is... Well, adult. I remember watching something on one of the Jeffrey Epstein... Um, YouTube videos that somebody had, one of the podcasters had put up, I can't remember who it was, but they did mention that initially um, they, they got Ghislaine Maxwell to possibly go after um, Paris Hilton. Hilton yes. So there could very well be a connection there. That, that would be quite interesting yes. to find out. I mean, that, the, when, I, when I did a quick Google search on that school after I watched the documentary, the, the thing that caught my eye was that it was a 
residential um, facility, healthcare facility for troubled teens aged between 12 and 18 years old, which now we know is the exact age that was being targeted by the Epstein and Ghislaine Maxwell circle and this ring. So, and I mean, she moved in high society circles. Her parents were friends with the Reagans and, yeah. you know, big names. I mean, exactly. They were the high society of the New York and the California and, and the US, essentially. And I mean, still so a big name really, today, you know? Exactly. So it's, um, yeah, there's just a lot more to uncover, I think. And I, th I think it's interesting, the timing of her well, documentary. Well, please don't uncover too much this year, because I think 2020 has been one hell of an intense year. I don't know how you feel, but it's like, I cannot wait for this year to come to an end because it's just been so We said that last year. We so said that in 2019 and then look what happened this year. I know. We're all going, <laughs> we're all going last year. Oh, we cannot wait for 2020. 2020 vision, it's nearly over. Now we're in 2020 vision and it really has opened up our vision. It's just like all we want to do is be blind again. <laughs> I know. And to stuff that we actually don't, you know, we, we really didn't actually want to see, quite honestly. So... It's been intense. It really, really has. But, you know, it's like we were talking about in earlier podcast episodes with this whole end of the world thing. And we said that the Bible talks about the second coming and there will be this period of great destruction and all of that before the second coming of Christ. And, you know, um, with everything that's going on at the moment with the Israel peace deals. I, know, I mean, it's, it's crazy. It's, 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 for me, that is still, I don't care what anyone says, it's still got to do with fighting over spiritual land, I mean, like, you know, holy land, that's never going to go away. I mean, th that will always be there. The Palestinians are never going to agree. They can, they, can, they, can, they can beg them, they can stand on their heads till the cows come home. The Palestinians are never going to agree. I don't know what your, your opinion on that is. But. So, so the Bible talks about the, the fact that there will be um, a false period of peace between... Um, in Jerusalem, there'll be a false period of peace, but then the Arab nations will rise up and will uh, join forces against Jerusalem before the second coming of Christ during this whole oh. 42 month period before the end of the world. And I think it's so interesting that now we are seeing um, today the, the signing of the um, peace treaty normalization pact between yeah. Israel, UAE, and Bahrain. So in the history of Israel and, and these, um, this war, there've only been now with these two countries, there will only have been four Arab nations. So it was Egypt and who was the other one? Jordan, wasn't it Jordan? Yes, it was Egypt Jordan. and Jordan. Yeah. And, and the Jordan um, deal happened under the presidency of Bill Clinton in 1994. Don't you find that interesting given his ties to Jeffrey Epstein well, and all of the Oh yeah, that's, I never thought of it that way. You see, I mean, now you've like, yeah, you've opened up another can of worms there, Talisha. Well, what's interesting is that the, the, the Israeli prime minister previously, the one prior to Netanyahu, his name was I don't Ehud remember. Barak. Ehud Barak was on Jeffrey Epstein's island many times. He was a friend of Jeffrey Epstein's. And when Netanyahu last year was running for the, vice, uh, for the prime minister role against Ehud Barak, he said to the media, you need to look into his, claim, into his ties with Jeffrey Epstein. But I mean, like, we can, have these, we can have all these conspiracy theories, but at the end of the day, I don't think it's ever going to come out. It's all just speculation right now. Um, but well, like, if I don't know. I feel, like, I feel like people are starting to piece things together a lot more. 
um, I think there's a there's been kind of an, an influx of I think maybe it's because people had more time on their hands this year because everyone was in lockdown that people have started doing their own research yeah and um, I don't know maybe it will maybe it won't but I just find it interesting that the last peace deal between Israel and an Arab nation was signed under Bill Clinton who was friends with um, Jeffrey Epstein and obviously there's intelligence that has been passed across. There's intelligence, there's a lot of benefits for Israel, for the US, there's a lot of benefits for them. Um, I think technical, you know, technical benefits, agricultural benefits, land benefits, all sorts of benefits. Economic, I think also it's, it boils down to money for the US and Absolutely. I think that... It's always about uh, money, it's only what Trump can, it's, it's only for his self gain, he doesn't give a damn about anybody else. Or for, any, or for any resources that he may he may be able to to get hold of and that's what i said earlier is that you know i don't think that the i don't think that the war the ongoing war between islam and christianity was even an ongoing war until outside forces like the germans got involved um and in, interestingly the rothschild family that we mentioned earlier that nikki hilton was is married into they came out of um germany and or Bavaria is what it was. And they became part of the noble and the elite society in Belgium, which is where I told you that Annika Lucas was sold into um, the elite as a child sex slave um, in oh. Belgium. No, and so, that. That's quite as yeah, so as I'm doing all of this research, I'm starting to piece things together. I feel like a crazy person. I need to have like a big board up with, you know, all, the, no, all of those like, pins and strings. In your, next, in your next life, you have to come back as, as a private detective. You would make a fortune. Yeah, I feel like I should just do it in this life. What do you think? <laughs> you do I don't think it's very informative, I must say. Um, you always come up with such interesting information, like stuff that I would never even piece together, which, which is crazy. I think, yeah, I, I mean, I think that's why I'm in research because I like to spot the patterns and see, you know, what you, you connect all the dots really on the map. That's what you're really doing. But I mean, so after I kind of did a little bit of research today and just, you know, watch some stuff that I've missed out because I think this, this peace treaty was signed about a month ago, right? So, so the one with UAE and then today's one is being signed with, with Bahrain. Bahrain, correct. Yeah. Um, do you think, I don't think Iran is going to come to the party. I don't think they're going to come to the party. I don't um, think so. I think that it was really funny what Donald Trump said the other day. He said, oh, now that um, now that they're seeing all their friends coming to the party, I'm sure Palestine will also. And I just thought to myself, how old are you? I don't think Palestine, Palestine will. I think they even offered them a small portion of land to try and dangle the carrot to get them to agree and sign. And mm. they're not interested. Because that's what Palestine that's really wants. They're dangling... A ton of carrots. I mean, um, you know, they're trying to get Morocco as the next nation to sign a, a normalization pact. And the carrot that they may dangle for Morocco is to recognize the Moroccan sovereign um, family as the sovereign family of West Africa, which would be huge for Morocco. Because imagine the US, the leader of the free world, saying, okay, we finally recognize that your um, royal family is the actual real leader of the entire west africa wow i mean that's huge it's crazy and you just think what level will they stoop to to get what they want in this world and that's why i don't discount the fact that i feel like jeffrey epstein and Ghislaine maxwell were working with israeli intelligence and, and the, the cia US to get and the cia yes, to get dirt on all these politicians so they can Definitely. I mean, why would they only go after powerful people why would they only invite powerful people to the island 
and she go to trouble. And then, and then, you know, those things about, I mean, why would they only have underage girls? Why would they not have like normal aged women? And you get you beautiful because obviously no matter what age. Them. Yeah. Because they had to have enough exactly. dirt on them to bring them down. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It's really, big, it'll be interesting in a big to yeah, and the exactly because I mean, if you just have, you just have like um, the Israeli prime minister or some pre president or king or queen or whatever. If you just have them fondling a normal woman and they're married, oh well, whatever they're having an affair, nobody cares. But if it's an underage girl, then suddenly it's you know it's a big deal. <laughs> well, the moral of the story is if you're going to cheat and it's going to be with an underage girl, please just check the room for cameras. Behind well, the moral of the thing. story is <laughs> don't cheat. That's don't the moral cheat. of the story. Keep your don't cheat. clean. Because I'm definitely not with children. For, no, for me, that is not even, that is, I, I can't even, yeah, I can't even like try to comprehend or even understand how any man can even do that. That is for me. Well, woman, I mean, Ghislaine Maxwell did it. And I just feel, you know, I don't think that it's a, the sad thing about everything that's coming out now is it's not a gender thing. It's not just men that are doing it. It's people that think it's okay. I mean, it's people that have lost the plot the, for humanity. Life doesn't mean anything. It's, it's all about money, greed, and power. Um, they don't have mm. any spiritual direction, in my opinion, because if they knew God or if they besides God, if, if it was whoever they believed in, um, a higher power, they wouldn't behave in that manner because. You know, for me, when you when you know God or when you have to, uh, some kind of spiritual direction, how can you possibly behave like that? But I think, you know, it's interesting what you said. Like, you know, it doesn't even matter about what religion you are. It's just if you have a sense of humanity, if you are a human being that was once a child, how can you put another child through that being a human being i mean like i don't know if you saw i was horrified and i'm changing the subject a bit now but there was a over the weekend they got video footage in south africa of a family of three having lunch or something or breakfast and this guy there was a low balustrading they were sitting outside in a restaurant this guy came out of nowhere he jumped over the balustrading and in a split second he tried to grab this child and run off with her and there was somebody sitting behind um, and this guy also got up and luckily the mother's reflexes were very quick. She got up and she grabbed this child. So apparently what they're doing now is they, 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 they're kidnapping children and whatever in exchange for drugs. Um, and they're becoming so brazen, which is so, so frightening that you, you can't even be sitting. They'll do it in front of you, which is crazy. What is going on? I mean, I thought you were going to talk about the video that's doing the rounds about them brazen enough to just steal people's cell phones because my dad sent me a, a video of that where they're especially like you know a lot of restaurants have outdoor dining now alfresco yeah. dining yeah and so they, there's this video about of how they just literally um this guy will come out of nowhere grab your cell phone while you're sitting at a restaurant table doing something and then there'll be a car that's already moving and he'll jump into the car and go and they're stealing people's cell phones you know obviously because cell phones are worth i mean the latest samsung is apparently 30,000 Rand. The latest Apple iPhone is 35,000 Rand. Yeah. So, so I mean, they're stealing that. And yeah. that's scary enough. And I mean, when so, you think about you they make the brazen has to take your children. Imagine the mother's looking away for a second or she's gone to the toilet and you come back and your child's just gone from the table. Horrific. And, and you know, we've spoken, before, we've spoken before about how the child 
trafficking industry is one of the most lucrative in the world, which is so sad and it's so disgusting to even think that that is an industry because how can you turn human beings into an industry? Well, but, uh, when, when, the, when the industry, when the world is in such a damn mess, I think people will do whatever it takes um, for money to put food on the table. They don't give a damn. I agree. And you know, um, I don't know if you saw the fires that are raging in San Francisco at the moment. Yeah, I caught my eye. I haven't gone too much into that because it depresses me. Yeah. <laughs> it is pretty depressing, so, but also too much, too much, you know. <laughs> but when I saw the headline, when I saw that it was San Francisco, the first thing that my mind went to was, you know, I told you guys about that, um, the law that they are, they've changed or the mayor of San Francisco, who is a, a, a gay guy, um, he's trying to, I'm not sure if they have, I think they have now managed to do this where um, previously, if a person had sexual relations with a minor, they had to register as a sex offender in any neighborhood that they move into so that people in that neighborhood know that they were convicted of a sex crime with a minor. Rightfully so. Rightfully so. I agree. 100%. 100% because you need to know that your kids are safe where they go to school and whatever the case may be. But in San Francisco, this particular male, whoever he is, I think he's the mayor or the senator, one of those two, he um, was lobbying for the law to be changed so that if a man has sexual relations with a boy and that man is not more than 10 years older than the boy, that that person, if they're convicted, doesn't have to register as a sex offender in the next place that they live in, in San Francisco. So if you think about this, if you've got a 14-year-old son who some 23-year-old, because that's nine years older, so if a 23-year-old man yeah. forces himself on your 14-year-old son, he and he's convicted, he doesn't have to register as a sex offender because that law has now been reduced to only if they're 10 years older than the minor. And when I saw that, and when I saw the fires, I just thought, geez, is this God punishing San Francisco for changing that law? Well, I mean, they're known for their, their earthquakes and everything else um, on that side of the world. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> they're having an earthquake just, in a different form at the moment. I mean, and I just fires. Thought, they're always having fires there. I just thought, um, what is this world coming to that we're trying to change laws that sex offenders don't have to be X amount older than a child to be seen as a sex offender. And then I was doing some reading on the Netflix Cuties documentary. You know, we discussed it last week. Yeah, it's horrific. Um, and, you know, there was this whole uproar about it. Do you know Netflix lost 3.9%? Their, their stocks stock price declined 3.9% the day after that documentary was released. So people well, are really up in arms. Good. And, and, I and they will teach them. They will teach them a lesson and it's going to hit them. Where I don't know. The they're saying that, well, all we were trying to do was open people's eyes to the fact that this is happening. I'm sorry. Do you oh. open people's eyes to the fact that murder is happening by killing someone? They went a little bit far trying to find different content as far as, far as I'm concerned. I don't know what trying to... And they made a mistake and they don't want to admit to but that it. But it's cost them and it's, it's, it's hurt their pocket. So hopefully now they'll be a little bit more careful. Well, I don't, I, it doesn't look like they're backing down, but there's around 600 at the last time I checked was just before we started recording and yeah. 640,000 people in America, Netflix users have signed a petition on change.org to cancel Netflix. 640,000 wow. Netflix users. 
It's crazy. Well, I mean, during lockdown, they must have had, I mean, their, their, their viewership must have increased dramatically because everybody was like kind of glued to, to whatever series was getting shown on, on Netflix, including myself. Exactly, because there's nothing else to do during lockdown. But now that people have seen that they are being so blasé about the fact that this is a very, you know, it's a very, very... Um, dangerous thing and dangerous territory that they're walking on it's very dangerous territory it's very like you say sensitive because a lot of people are saying essentially what you're doing with this film even if you're trying to show what is happening so that people are aware of it what you're doing is wetting the appetite of pedophiles you know you're making it you know and so that's what people are up in arms about and so it'll be interesting to see what happens with netflix at at the moment that cancel um that cancel netflix hashtag is trending um, so yeah, it was 640,000 signatures already on the petition. So we'll see. I think you need to get to, I think, 1 million signatures on the well, Let's petition. be honest, the competitors are also going to dr- jump on that brand, you know, on that bandwagon. Because <laughs> Which I think, I, I don't know that I disagree with it. Because yeah. if you're going to be that irresponsible about your content, then competitors should be, you know, pouncing on that as a competitive advantage. Because yeah. I think it is. So yeah, and they must be more careful what they, what they screen. Because there are a lot of kids that watch Netflix as well. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, um, when I did some digging into that, that uh, documentary, it was actually a French film that they came across at the Sundance Film Festival. And that's how Netflix bought the rights to it and turned it into an, uh, an English kind of movie. But the original French poster was very innocuous. It just showed these four girls walking up a hill. I think one of them had a balloon. Like, it was very innocuous. It was innocent. It didn't look... I don't think it's like bad. And, and me coming from a dancing background, right? I didn't kind of see anything wrong with it in the beginning because when you're dancing, it, it, it's, it's the way, but I think it's the way that they shot it and, and the kind of moves that these young you know, little girls were, were, were taught to do. I mean, there's dancing and there's dancing. You know, there's, exactly. there's dancing and, and performing. The as well. I just yeah. feel like even as a dancer, you're not, you're, you'll wear dancer type outfits, but not sexualized outfits. No, and also the way you teach young girls to pose. It has a sexual yeah. connotation to it. Um, no. Maybe not to other young, young girls that age, but definitely to older, older adults. And older adults. Well, the people that the movie was supposedly made for, the adults, will definitely have seen it in that way. Correct. Because, so know, I don't know what kind of market they were trying to attract. I really, really don't. Well, well <laughs> I have my views on that. But I think that's all we... Have time for. That's all we have time for today. Well, we yeah. have. I miss Mr. Princey Prince, but it's okay. I think we had a great session today, I, and uh, I too. this is number I four, it. right? Number four, the plugged this in is podcast. So, so exciting! I think that we are. Yeah, I think we're getting into the swing of things now. I think we are getting into the groove of it, and hopefully, people are enjoying our content. Hopefully people are enjoying listening to us in the background while they work from home and miss their colleagues. We are happy to be your colleagues. And yeah, I mean, I think, I think the vibe we're trying to create is just really a chilled vibe um, discussing trending topics in the world. So guys, please be patient with us. We're still quite new at this. Um, yeah, but let's just hope that we grow from strength to strength and we can we will do. broadcast you know, even more interesting no information. One even if no one listens to us, I love having these sessions just because I get to catch up with you and that's all. Well, I must admit, I just learn so much. I really, really do. Um, it's great. 
Awesome. I'm happy that I could be of assistance in some way. <laughs> it <laughs> makes me feel you. <laughs> it was lovely chatting to you, um, Talisha, tonight. And you definitely taught me and opened my eyes a lot. I mean, I never knew that, uh, what was her name? Nikki's married to Rothschild. Interesting. The wealthiest family in the world, right? Ever. And they have family everywhere. They started in Germany or Bavaria, and now they've got Rothschild in France and in America and in Britain. And they basically run all the banks in the they world. They run all the banks. The world is run by the Rothschilds. Yep. Scary. So she, made a, she married up, definitely. She married up. I should take some pointers from her. <laughs> I'm just kidding but it's been wonderful I hope you guys enjoyed listening to us go on and on and on about much ado about nothing but it's everything because it's what go what's going on in the world right now um, and if you have any yeah. suggestions for topics you'd like us to research and cover if you have any fact checking that you want to send our way if you have any um, comments compliments complaints hopefully not that many complaints please do email us at well, icon at iconinternational.com. The email is icon at icon half, you know, dash international uh, dot com. Perfect. But it will also be linked on our, um, on our Spotify, which is now up and running. And I hope everybody is enjoying listening to it. It's finally up and running. It took us a while, but we, we got over all the technicality and the teething issues. Um, so hopefully now it's going to run like clockwork and we will be launching a new, you know, a new episode every Friday, which is every Friday. Friday. Catch us on a Friday, hang out with us on the weekend. And we look forward to chatting with you next week. And I hope today's session wasn't boring without Prince because he always adds in that little flavor of, of uh, humor. Um, but hopefully yeah, next week he'll be back. We don't know where he is, but we'll find him for you. That's what we <laughs> find out the information. He's somewhere TikToking. <laughs> and that's all we have time for today. Thanks, everyone. Chat to yes. you next week. Bye. Let me just stop recording. George, I can kill you. <laughs> You're still recording, Sharon. <laughs> You're still recording.